0: Uh, in studying this passage uh, this week I was struck by just the powerful emotions that are taking place here the compassion and the way Jesus is showing compassion the way he consoles the 11 men that are his faithful followers uh, you know, when you step back from the details of this and see not just what it says but w- what it means and the difference it makes I want us to look at that like look at what Jesus is doing and how he's doing it it's it's breathtaking. Just like, I love him so much more. <laughs> in other words, we're, we're in the upper room uh, study together. And this, the upper room is the, the last hours, the last teachings of Jesus to his most intimate followers. And in the context of John chapter 14, uh, Judas is already left to go and get his money for betraying Jesus. And now it's just the 11 that are faithful. <clears throat> and so Jesus is going to telegraph what's going to happen in the next few hours. And he starts that by dropping this bomb on them. He says in chapter 13, verse 33, My little children, I am with you just a little longer, and you will seek me, and I've said to the Jews, just as I've said to the Jews, now uh, I'll say to you now also, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus uses this especially affectionate term, little children, with these 11 grown men Because he knows this news is rattling them. It has turned hardened sailors and religious zealous into toddler boys hearing the worst thing that they could imagine, and that is, I'm leaving you. And so they're they're in a panic, they're, you know, afraid. And to know what Jesus is saying, we have to understand the audience that he's speaking to. To understand, you have to understand the audience to understand the message of Jesus. And these men are concussed by that sentence, that I'm leaving and you can't follow me. They are scared, they are confused, they are a little bit angry. And they're going to rattle him with questions trying to talk him out of what he just clearly said. And Jesus is going to answer their fears. He's going to say, like, do not be afraid. Here's the reasons you are not to worry. That's what I love about this. So I'm thinking, anybody out there wanting to know how Jesus would answer the question, you don't need to worry, why should I worry? How do I stop being afraid? That's what we're talking about today. It could be right up for you. He sees their fear. This pericope, this section of scripture, begins and ends with that in mind. Chapter 14, verse 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Keep on believing in me, or keep on believing in God, and keep on believing in me. The end of the section is verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. There it is again, nor let it be fearful. These two sentences are like the front and the back book cover to this section on Jesus helping these men reason their way out of their fear. And there's like, let's say, four chapters. There's four different reasons that Jesus is going to say, you shouldn't be afraid, and it's going to be a good thing that I leave. And I want you to I want you to see how reasonable he is and accepting of their emotions. Because their emotions are reasonable. And so I want you to see how he's going like, to have reason wrapped in emotion to, to give to them and say, okay, like, let's change the way you're feeling by the way you're thinking. And he's going to replace extremely powerful emotion of fear and turmoil with a greater emotion, peace, a, a stronger one, a more natural emotion. I'll explain that later, but a, a more true emotion to us. Peace and tranquility. As a matter of fact, he's going to be so reasonable in explaining why we shouldn't, you and I and these men shouldn't be worried, and that it's good that, they, that he should leave, that by the end of these four chapters, we should say, you know what, Jesus, you're right, you should leave. Jesus, you should leave. That's the title of the sermon. I don't think that's ever been a title of any sermon ever. Jesus, you should leave. Watch first words to help these men deal with this news that he's leaving verse 1 of chapter or actually the first point is focus 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 on me focus on god verse 1 says do not let your hearts be troubled keep on believing in god keep on believing in me first part of the sentence is a command do not let your heart be troubled new translation would say hey just stop worrying. Now, I've tried that at home. It does not work. That's, that, that's, that way of attacking this it doesn't work with the kids. It most definitely does not work with a certain woman that I'm married to. Just stop worrying. Don't do that. That's like, you know, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Like, he can say that. No one else can. But I think the reason I didn't do this right is because he follows it with some really good reasons. Jesus adds reasons to this, this order. Don't, he said, "Don't be troubled, don't be distressed, don't be in turmoil," and then follows it with two imperatives. Keep on believing in God, exclamation point. Keep on believing in me, exclamation point. The context of this story right here is that in the next 60 hours, these men are going to be in a slow-motion train wreck. Where Jesus is going to be betrayed, and then he's going to be tried unjustly, and then he will be crucified and buried. And Jesus, in the context of all that, is saying, no, 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 don't don't be fixated on the story. Focus on the storyteller. Keep on believing in God. Keep on believing in me. Trust me. We have history together here. (laughs) Like we've been doing lives together. Remember the... Uh, feeding of the multitude, you didn't think that was going to end well, and it did. Remember the walking on water? Yeah. The la- look, two weeks ago, raised Lazarus from the dead. His stories start sad, <laughs> they end happy. You know me. Trust, trust me. Do not get lost in what you don't understand, or wh- what you can't comprehend, or what you can't even know. Focus on what you do know. Me. Continue to have faith in me. Trust in me. Great is thy faithfulness. I've been faithful to you. <laughs> this is the key to the, living the Christian life, living by faith. Old Testament uh, Deuteronomy 8, pivotal chapter in the entire Bible. Here's the outline If you forget the faithfulness of God, you'll die. If you remember the faithfulness of God, you'll live. And you have to remember the faithfulness of God independent of circumstances. Like it says in Romans 4 about Abraham. And though it was against all hope that he could have a baby, (laughs) he believed. So, I mean, the application of this section is like what we sang about. Great is thy faithfulness morning by morning. Every morning we should wake up and like refocus. Continue our faith in God. Continue our faith in Christ. Keep in mind who we're talking about, we're putting our faith in. In other words, don't worry. Believe in the sovereignty of God. He loves us, and he's in charge of everything. The second chapter in this this book that's here is like he has to leave. Jesus has to leave because he's making a certain home for us, a certain future home. Look what it says in the next two sentences. "My, My father's house has many rooms. Now, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm, I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. I have Jesus says, I have to leave to prepare a place for you. He has a reason and a purpose. He has to provide a secure, certain, guaranteed Experience of eternal life in the presence of the Father. Prepare a place for you is not the idea of Him building something, but rather His death on the cross prepares that place for us. He, he's, he's built, He's the bridge over the, He's the bridge that gets us into the palace of Yahweh God, over the moat of justice and, and the penalty that we have for our sins. He gets us to that place. He's preparing that place for us. In the ancient Near East, the way these men might have heard this is when you got engaged or betrothed, whatever, as a man, you and your dad started working on the house. You built another room. You built another wing. You built a second floor. And after the wedding and the rehearsal, reception, those sorts of things, you came back and you lived, it, like, feel it. You are living under the same roof of the father. It's going to be a safe place. It's a promise of an eternal home to be in the presence of God. And that's not all. He says, he says and I will come back and I will take you to be with me that, I, that you also may be where I am. Jesus is fighting reasonable emotions that, right, that they're feeling after hearing that Jesus left. They're probably feeling abandoned or maybe even rejected. They certainly feel fear. And he's going to attack those with reasonable emotions that are deeper still. Home. In a word, home. And you will dwell in the house of the Father forever. Think about the power of that word, home. He's going to prepare a house, a room for you in the king's house. What does it mean, home? It's not a house. It's more than that. It means, home means a place where you belong. It's a place where you're accepted, where you're known, where you get to love other people. You, <laughs> home is a place where the sights and the sounds and the smell and the colors, like they all form a collage, and it's safe. It's safe. Home. I think our idealized and romantic views of heaven, or even the word home, some of most, many of you didn't have a safe home, or didn't have this Hallmark version. I don't think the Hallmark version of home comes from Hallmark. I think it comes from our argument from desire, that God makes us desire a place where we are are safe. This is God calling us to a place where we walk up and we hear our kind of music playing when we walk up to the door and we're greeted there and there's nice lighting and there's a fireplace and the room smells like our favorite food and we have a place at that table. That's where I sit. That's my home. We long for that. When I was in college, I saw a horrific auto accident and when they were putting these various young men on on stretchers, one of them, as he was being put into the ambulance, kept yelling, just take me home. Just take me home. I'll be all better. Just take me home. That's a longing inside of us. We just want to get back. And Jesus says this, I'm preparing a room for you. And the next three days and the years after that, you are going to be persecuted unjustly. You will be beaten. All but one of you will be martyred. And the one that doesn't get martyred, you're going to wish you were. <laughs> and then you'll be home. No matter what happens to you, I promise you a secure room in the king's house. Peter Kreeft, uh is a philosophy professor at Boston College. I love this book for this content, but the title alone won me. Heaven, hearts, the heart's greatest longing. It's home. And Jesus says, I have to leave to make sure you can get there. Job explains this like in his prayers. I know that my Redeemer lives, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, and how my heart yearns within me for that Jesus says don't let your heart be troubled don't be worried and then he says heaven is real it's a real concrete place and there is love there and there is laughter and there is learning and there is communion with one another and the father's house heaven is so beautiful it is its glory cannot be enjoyed or understood in this life have you ever have, i mean just have you ever read there's like three i think three passages in the Bible where someone gets taken up into heaven or the third heaven or wherever, and they come back and they describe it and they sound like they 're kind of drugged out really bad, and the reason is, is because they they can 't find words to describe it, and even in revelation, oh the streets are gold, gold makes a terrible asphalt, so he 's just trying to put words to something that in Corinthians it says that, The mortal cannot inherit immortality. We can't even comprehend the glory that we'll be enjoying. It it is such an upgrade that we can't even take this body with us, thank God, and we get a glorified body that Daniel says will shine like the stars. And Jesus is saying right here, I promise you, that's waiting for you. I have to make that happen. i got to build that bridge, and that's why I have to leave. I'm going to the cross. There's no other way to get there. And the people in the early church and saints throughout the years that sincerely believe this to be true, they live supernatural experiences and they live without fear. Especially in the early church, the Romans could not grasp what these Christians were believing because they were singing on the way to becoming lion food. And they were praising God for the ability to suffer for Jesus' name. They felt like they were like getting a shortcut to an eternal room that was waiting for them prepared by Jesus. Paul said it succinctly in Romans chapter 8. He says, I consider the current suffering nothing in compared to the glory that awaits. No matter what the current suffering is, there is heaven in the Father's house and Jesus will be there. When he says, I'm going to come back and get you The feeling is, I'm not leaving you. I'm making our relationship permanent. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to leave for a while, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to make sure you know that I'm with you forever. I got to leave. Don't worry. Trust in me. I have to leave to get get you have an eternal home. The third thing he says here is Jesus has to leave, so that we get to do the ministry and enjoy a, a. a vital prayer life. 12 through 14 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me uh, will do the works that I've been doing and, <laughs> and, and they will do even greater things than these. And here's why. Because I am going to the Father. I have to leave so you can do the ministry, see? And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I'll, and I'll do it. Don't be troubled that I'm leaving. Be glad that I'm leaving, because now I'm going to turn the ministry over to you. That's a reason, but look what he's saying. He's like, there's a ministry vacuum that's going to take place. This is the beginning of every believer's a minister. I love this. Like, you're going to be the ministers. And and this is, going back to the theme here, he's going to take a very strong emotion, fear and 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 terror that Jesus is leaving, and he's gonna reasonably replace that with a better emotion. And what's the emotion? It's joy, it's purpose. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna leave so you can have a, a better expression of what your life is for. There is nothing, nothing, like being used by God to do good works in Jesus Christ that He prepared before the beginning of time. And when you find yourself in that moment where you're just like living a series of God stories and being directed and guided by the Holy Spirit, and you're speaking into people's lives or repenting with courage, whatever it might be. But you're like, you're in the will of God. You're going to love that, he says. You're going to love that I'm gone. I I'm turn the ministry over to you. Well, in the context of being in the will of God and doing these things that are even greater than what Jesus is doing, you're going to need to talk a lot. You're going to need ministry cues. And so that's why he says two times, two times he says, you pray anything in my name, it's yours. Just ask. And what that means is kind of two ways of looking at it. Uh, they both work, don't get me wrong. But uh, uh, pray in my name means be, be, because. Of my name, because Jesus allows us to have this exciting prayer life, he's, he, he's the phone company that makes this whole thing work. And the second one, it's a more profound definition here, is, is you're signing something or saying something in, in someone's name, and you're signing it on their behalf. Like he's not here, so I'll sign his name for him. In other words, uh, this is what Jesus would pray. I'm praying the prayers of Jesus, that's why I'm saying in Jesus' name. And whenever you ask in that way, your prayers will be granted. Um, I don't want to like, turn this into a lesson on prayer because that's not the bigger picture here. That's kind of not the meaning of what's happening. It is answering the question, why not to be afraid and why it's good that Jesus leaves? And the answer is, so you can do the ministry of Jesus so that you can have an ongoing, constant contact with Jesus and enjoy that. The problem is reasonable emotions, making them afraid, scared, terrified, confused. And the consolation is just as sentimental, but with better reasons and better emotions. While you're doing the ministry, we'll be talking all the time. It sounds like Jesus is leaving and he keeps coming back and saying, nah, I'm going to take you to heaven we'll be there forever together, and while you're here, we'll be talking all the time. I, I was reminded of kind of the contrast when I, uh, I was thinking, when I moved out to California for about four years in the 80s, four years, I got one call from home, okay. and uh, probably had a lot to do with that those were long-distance calls, and if you're old enough to remember, that was real money, and so we'll just, I'll see you in the summer, maybe. <laughs> so we just didn't talk much. I've had two daughters out there right now and we talk all the time. And a lot of my phone calls towards them is just like I just I just wanted to hear your voice. I just want to talk. I you don't even have to say anything important. I'm just here to be with you. That's that's the emotion, that's the picture here <laughs> that we're always talking to the Father because of the Son In the power of the Holy Spirit, in the words of Jesus, ask, seek, knock, just come on, let's talk. And it's not long distance. You'll be glad I left. Trust in me. We've got history together. I'm leaving to prepare an eternal home for you. That's why you'll be glad I left. You're going to be able to do crazy ministry and talk all the time about it. And the last thing he says is, Jesus must leave so the Holy Spirit will indwell us. He's giving us a constant companion. This is radical in theology. But 15 through 17 says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him Nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Sounds very old covenant, Old Testament. Just obey. But this is radically different because Jesus is saying now, I'm going to partially fulfill the new covenant by me leaving. The Father will be able to send the Spirit and He will live inside you, and it says, and He will live with you and be in you forever. And these 11 men, I think if they were astute on how the Holy Spirit works in the Old Testament, they'd be like, What just happened here? And what happened was, it's like, because Jesus is going to go to the cross, He's going to change the very essence of our Spirit and make it completely righteous we'll inherit the righteousness of Jesus and because of that new status the holy spirit can move in <laughs> he he won't live somewhere that's not clean with the righteousness of Christ and he's transformed us and so now the spirit will come into us and seal himself within us lock the door in the old testament all you could experience were these temporary come and leave usually for a particular purpose and now because of the righteousness of Christ, we're going to have the Holy Spirit live in us. Jesus is reading their thoughts. He knows their emotions. Listen listen how he's, he's just speaking what they're already thinking. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's what they feel like. There's no mother in the story. It's just Jesus. He says, I'm leaving. We're going to be orphans. He says, no. I don't do that. That's not who I am. I, I'm Yahweh. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And now I'm going to give you the spirit that will be sealed inside of you. He goes on and tells more about the spirit, verse 25 and 26. All this I've spoken to you while still with you, uh, but the helper or the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. Teach you of all things and remind you of everything. A helper is going to come. The word is uh, paraclete, the way we can transliterate it. But para, I love that prefix there para, like paralegal, paramedic, person that's next to. This next to helper is like a, a coach, a personal coach. It's like right next to you, counseling you, telling you the way you're supposed to do it, telling you how you're doing it wrong, guiding and directing you. That at grace and the purpose of that is to become mature in Christ. He's going to get you, help get you there. At grace we say a person that's holy, that's our ambition is to make people help people become holy. Holiness is becoming like Christ in all of life. And we've come up with a pretty concise formula. It's the spirit plus truth plus relationships. Well, here it is. It's the spirit because becoming like Christ in all of life, mature, complete, lacking in nothing—that's going to be a supernatural event. We're all going to need supernatural help. Truth—that's we mean the Bible, because the Bible is God's like original heart language. I mean, that's that's his native language. That's what it's the primary way he's going to speak to us. And in relationships, we just learned last week: love one another. <laughs> so now we have the Spirit. And it says here that the Spirit's going to help us, remind us of everything, the truth. And now, with relationships, he's saying, you're going to be glad I left. Besides helper, sometimes newer translations now are translating the word advocate. And the reason is it's more specific to probably what the Holy Spirit is doing for us. Advocate was a a legal title for what we would call a lawyer today, and the idea is that he's standing next to us. Think about you in trouble, okay? Uh, Imagine that, some of you not so hard. Um, And you're standing before the judge, and he's speaking to the judge for you, and he's speaking to you what the judge says. So, you know, you're asking him to speak all the legal talk, and then the judge says something back with all the fancy words, and you look at your advocate and say, what just happened? You're going to jail. Oh, so... In the context of the Spirit, He speaks for us. He's our advocate. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. In Romans chapter 8, it says specifically, this is what the Spirit does. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. When we don't even know how to pray as we should, the Spirit Himself intercedes as our advocate, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. and 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 He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He knows how you meant to pray. He knows the darkness that's keeping you from like, being sober enough to put words to what your longings are. He'll, he'll pray for you. He's translating what you said to what you meant to say to the Father. It also, he's our advocate where the judge speaks to us. And since the native tongue of Yahweh is the Bible, When you memorize and meditate on Holy Scripture, you'll be walking down the road feeling maybe hopeless or gloomy, and then bam. (laughs) I mean, passages just come to your mind. If if God is for us, it's Romans 8, here we go again. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son, but freely gave him and graciously gave him up for us, how will he not spare us from any good thing? (laughs) Who's going to bring a charge against God's chosen? Only God judges. Only God justifies. Who condemns? No one. In fact, it says, Jesus Christ died. No, more. He rose again, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father as our advocate. It says, interceding for us. That's why it says uh, the Spirit is the other advocate, another advocate. We have the Spirit and the Son talking to the Father for us. I'm glad Jesus left so he could send the spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a power, it's a person. It's a third person in the Trinity. You don't try to get more spirit in you. The real question is, is how much of you is in the spirit? It's about submission to that, it's another day. We're looking today at the existential need of, of these men and us and how God's answering those. The passionate promises of Jesus Christ, the reasonable things that he's given us, and if it helps us, it gives us consolation, it gives us peace when we are experiencing life. And we're reminded that Jesus says, it's me. It's me that you're trusting in, remember? Not what's going on around you. Now, I'm going to leave, and it's purposeful so that I can prepare a place for you, a room in the palace, and that will give you peace. And I'm going to leave so that you can enjoy ministry and a conversation because you're going to have a lot of questions about that ministry that you're in. And so we're going to have purpose. And then finally he says, I'm going to leave so the spirit can come and live inside of you. And that will give you power. All of these appeals are reasonable and rational, and they give us a better emotion to enjoy. What he says in verse twenty-seven: "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you the give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid." Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. The, the word peace there is not the absence of like a war. It is whole, being whole and, and complete and tranquil. Being right with God. The way you were meant to be. And, if, and what's great about that passage, it's just classic understanding of God. You don't earn this. You don't fight for this peace. He says, I'm just going to leave it here. I'm going to give it to you. Because grace transforms. Gifts from God is what really changes the human soul from the inside out. If you understand this book that begins and ends with do not be afraid, and these four chapters, and you believe that to be true, and you think they make sense, you would say, Jesus, I think you should leave. Look what he says, 28 and 29. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back for you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe and not be afraid. And two chapters later, he goes, like, quit asking me about where I'm going and Why you can't come and follow me? He goes, verse 6, he says, Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things, but very truly I tell you, it it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, Holy Spirit, will not come to you, and if I do go, I will send him to you. Jesus, you should leave. When I was looking at these many verses, one of the things I, I walked away with is I love how Christianity is the thinking person's religion. And not just the thinking person's religion, but I love how holistic it is. Body, soul, spirit, intellect, emotion, and will. And, and again, Jesus is like, hey, look, I understand that you have reasons to believe and have these emotions. And again, it's, it, it's a faith that acknowledges the way we think and the way we feel. And then Jesus comes in and says, well, come, let us reason. Let's talk about why you have those beliefs that lead to those emotions, and I'm going to tell you why you ought to have these beliefs and greater and deeper and truer emotions. And I I say greater, deeper, and truer because fear and shame cannot be found in Genesis chapter 1 or 2. Think about that. Shame and fear come in Genesis chapter 3 after the fall. They are not part of our original design. And and becoming like Christ in all of life is getting us back to the Garden of Eden where these two plagues no longer rule our lives. And how do we get there? Great is thy faithfulness. Knowing who we believe in. Knowing the sovereign plan, that in the middle of the chaos, whatever that chaos is, there's a tranquility knowing that we're going to end up with a room with the king. That until then, we're going to have ministry. We're going to have great conversations about that purpose. And the Holy Spirit, the whole time, is supernaturally empowering us to become like Christ in all parts of our lives. I'm glad Jesus left. How about you? I love how it's a thinking faith. I love how he appreciates our emotions and then, and then makes them true. Well, it, I, I wouldn't be doing justice to the passage uh, without bringing up a section that's in this. When Thomas says, hey, uh, where you're going, we don't know the way to get there. And then Jesus says, no, you do. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you want what Jesus is promising here, an eternal home, a ministry and purpose and a, a prayer life that's vital between now and then, that the Holy Spirit would dwell inside of your spirit, there's only one way that happens. because Jesus is the only way because he's the only way, he's the only one to build a bridge over sin to get us into the presence of the righteous holy God he is the truth because he's the ultimate expression of the revelation of God and he is the life because he killed death and no one else has so if you've never trusted Jesus Christ for the cost of your sin the debt that you owed the father that he might replace your guilt with and shame with his honor Maybe today's that day for you. It's a gift. He leaves it like he does peace, just for us to take. That's what faith means, and believing in that. What a great God we serve. I love how deeply he cares for us. That's today's message. Just join me in prayer? Lord, for those uh, men and women, boys and girls, uh, that you're calling and pulling and courting to become one of your children and ask that they would respond to that, that they would desire a home with you and know that there's no way they can get there without your provision of Jesus Christ's death and his resurrection proves that uh, you ex- you received that and accepted that. Lord, for us that know these things to be true, we are so grateful just in this interaction how personal and personable and, and fully loving to the whole man to make them well so they we wouldn't fear and be anxious and we'd be believing and focusing on the right things. We are so grateful just the, how gentle and caring you are. And we can see that in this life with Jesus. Lord, help us live that way to our friends, our family, to our enemies, that we might become like Christ in all of life. And all God's people prayed in Jesus' name.